like you to stand. I'm just going to read um, just a couple verses. I'm going to read starting in verse number 3, and we're going to read down uh, to verse number 7. The Bible says this, Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Shikar. Let me back up to verse uh, number 3. He left Judea and departed again unto Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Shikar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Father, thank you for the word of God today, Lord. I thank you that we have it in our language. I thank you, Lord, that you've helped translate it in other languages, and I pray, Father, for those that do translation work, that we can give them a good, accurate copy, uh, Lord, one taken from the the received text, one that, Lord, we can trust. So I pray, Father, that you'd bless tonight your, your Bible and bless the preaching, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. You know, there's been millions of, of chapter or millions of sermons preached out of this chapter, there's no doubt. You can take the Word of God and, and use it and cut it up and, and use it to, to preach so many different messages in so many different ways. And tonight I want you to see partnership in this thing. I want you to see how the Lord Jesus Christ himself wanted us to partner together so together collectively we can do more. Uh, notice that uh, what I noticed first in this passage that Jesus was a personal soul winner. He was concerned about one young lady, one Samaritan if you will. So he went to that particular spot and he sat there and he waited on her to come. Now isn't it interesting that he sat at a well that another man dug years ago. Jesus was using a well that Jacob had dug years ago. Jacob had no idea that one day the Messiah would sit there and be the very spot where he would proclaim publicly that he was the Messiah for the first time to any living human being. Here's Jesus doing that very act. Why? Because man, he's a personal soul winner and he loves to tell people about the Lord. And we see that in the next verses, how, how the, the conversation would go back and forth and the woman would speak with him and, and uh, uh, say, you can't draw water and what's this living water? And, and, and then Jesus would proclaim to her the truth that, uh, you know, you're, you have five husbands and, and the one you're with now isn't even your husband. And, and this began to tell this woman there's something different about him. And then, of course, we go on down and Jesus says, listen, in verse 22, you worship, you know not what. And you know not what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is that true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. And in this a great truth, God is a spirit. They that worship Him shall worship Him in spirit and truth. How can someone that has a dead spirit because trespasses and sin worship a live God? You can't. That's why we must be born again. Amen. When our spirit becomes alive, we can not only worship Him, but we can allow Him to assist us in our daily lives. The woman saying unto him, I know the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. And this is where Jesus would proclaim his Messiahship. He said, Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Aren't you glad we have a God that came to this earth, that suffered and died on a cross of Calvary, so you and I could go to be in heaven eternally with him? I'm listening to a book on tape by Randy Alcorn. It's, it's about heaven. It's a very... Uh, the book's been around for a long, long time, and uh, he has, I believe he read somewhere on the upside of five or 600 books as he was compiling this book on heaven, 
And this is what that man of God said. He said, Jesus would rather die and go to hell than spend eternity in heaven without us. Isn't that a great statement? What a Savior he is. So here we know that the woman accepts him uh, in verse 27. In verse 28, she left her water pot and went down to the city, and she saith to the men. You know what she said? She said, I've got somebody who will change your life. He just changed mine. So right off the bat, right off the bat, do you remember when you first got saved how you wanted to tell somebody? Uh, uh, how, how you were concerned maybe about your mom and dad or your brother and sister that you knew weren't saved? This woman just realized she was talking to the Messiah and Jesus was going to give her a drink of water that she'd never thirst again. And she said, you've got to come see this. Well, now the, the, uh, uh, the disciples, in the meanwhile, the disciples had come back to him. They'd gone down to get some food. And uh, Jesus wanted to take care of the Samaritan woman by himself, so he sent the disciples to get food. They come back and they say to him in verse 31, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. So these disciples, thinking in the human mind, someone must have given him some food. Well, verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. God the Father sent God the Son to do the work of Calvary. Amen? And you know what? Jesus finished that work. Was that not what he said on the cross? It is finished. He finished the work. Salvation's work is finished. There's no more work necessary for a soul to go to heaven. No more work. Now there's receiving it, believing and receiving. Amen. Jesus said, repent ye and believe the gospel. It's a changed mind of who you are, what you are. It's a changed mind on what you believe. And it's a turning to the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, God, I need you to forgive me. I need you to change me. And I need you to take me to heaven. My Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say shall feel saved. Doesn't say shall be saved until you sin again. He just puts a period at the end of that statement. Shall, aren't you glad of that? Amen. Shall be saved. I, I praise the Lord for it. But I want you now to go with me to John chapter 17. Here we have Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I was recently this year able to go to, to Israel. And, and what, a, what a great blessing it was to be in Israel. Uh, we had a, a group. It was a, a pastors, a, a, a tour for the pastors and for ministry leaders, and I was invited to go along, and, and I wanted to make sure I took some gospel tracts with me, so I, I had read a story from H.A. Ironside. Ironside is a hard man to read. I don't know if you've ever studied after Ironside, but he's very deep and, and very, very, uh, a very uh, hard man to read, a very great man, but I read a book of his called uh, Reminiscences of H.A. Ironside. And I don't know where I got the book, but I pulled it off my shelf, and I began to read through it. And there was about 15 chapters of soul-winning experience this man of God had personally. He was a soul-winning machine. That fellow not only could write and preach, but he loved to tell the people about his Lord. And in the final chapter, he told the story of a Jewish man that was out in California. And this Jewish man had read in the Torah that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. He fell under such great conviction from that Old Testament passage that he began to go from synagogue to synagogue, from rabbi to rabbi, and say, where's the blood? How in the world can I know I'm saved? They had no answer. And he stumbled into a Baptist church that was preaching the gospel, and they were talking about the blood of the Lamb, of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he received Christ. I thought to myself, that needs to be in a gospel track. Well, I just did a little research, and lo and behold, 
Where's the Blood was already written in a gospel track. So I took some with me. I was able to sit with our bus driver on, on those tours. Uh, most of the time, uh, the people of the tour would sit on their, their uh, little spot and talk and chat. And, and the bus driver will, will kind of just sit over here by himself. And I thought, I don't want old Amir to sit by himself. So I went and sat with him. And I just began to talk. And I don't know whether it's the first or second day, but along the line, some there. I said, Amir, I said, are you a Christian? I know our tour guide was. Uh, it's weird, there's the majority of the tour guides in Israel are Muslim. It's really weird, but boy, we had a fellow by the name of Moshe, a born-again Bible-believing Christian, and this fellow just really did a wonderful job, wonderful job. Well, uh, Amir said, no, he says, I'm not a Christian. He he said, I'm a Jew. I said, man, that's great. I said, I really do. I love the Jewish people. I said, the Jewish people gave us our Bible. The Jewish people gave us our Messiah. And I said this to him. I said, how long have you been doing these tours? And he said, probably around, uh, I think he told me, somewhere between 15, 14 to 20 years, somewhere in there. I can't remember the exact number. And I said, Moshi, or I said, uh, uh, Amir, I said, for over 20 years, uh, or however long, you've been listening to these tour guides tell you about these famous places that Jesus Christ walked on. These places where he would preach the Sermon on the Mount. You would take them to the Garden of Gethsemane. I've been there. It's amazing to just be there and to look across the street at the Temple Mount. And, and, and to see those places, I said, you've heard the stories over and over and over again. And then I told him the story that H.A. Ironside said in that book. And I pulled out my gospel track and I said, Amir, this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to take this little gospel track back to your room. I said, I'd like you just to read it and see what you think, okay? He said, yeah, I'll do that. Well, we went through our day, and the next morning, I'm walking down the hall. A door pops open, and out steps a mirror with a smile from ear to ear. And he said, Brother Van Horn, he says, I called on Christ. He's now my Savior. Now, some may think, oh, you can't lead a Jewish person to the Lord just like that. Well, I didn't lead him to the Lord just like that. People had been planting the seed for years. I just happened to step in at the right time, had the right message, showed him the right method, and guess what? He called on Christ to be his Savior. Uh, of course, there was uh, uh, some questions, you know, and we're, we're sitting down at the table. And what I did the next morning or that morning is, is I went on the Internet where I bought this, and I found it in the Hebrew language. So I text messaged and sent him a copy of this track in the Hebrew language. Well, it was the last day, and we're sitting there in the lobby, and we're having breakfast. I said, now, Amir, you sure you got the Lord? He smiled real big, said, oh, yeah. He said, and I've already sent this gospel track to my son, and we're going to be talking about it. (laughs) That sounds like Bible salvation to me, amen. Well, here we have Jesus, and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane in chapter 17. And he spake these words in verse 1, lifted his eyes up to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. And thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is is life eternal, and they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. He says in verse 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. He hadn't been to the cross yet, but in his heart and mind it was finished. He was going. There was no question he was going. And he was going to finish it physically, but here he had it finished already. And now, O Father, glorify thou with me 
thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. If you wonder whether Jesus was God, there's another passage that proves it. I have manifested thy name unto the men. Okay, listen now. I've manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest me them, and they have kept thy word. Talking about the disciples, the twelve disciples. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words that thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I am come from thee, and have believed that thou didst me. Now listen carefully to this next statement. Jesus said, I pray for them. Who? The twelve. The disciples. The ones that he had been training. And he says, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Isn't that an interesting statement? Why wouldn't Jesus pray that the souls of all the world would be born again? Well, really, in essence, he was. Because he was praying for the 12 men that he trusted with the gospel. Because he had finished the work, now he was praying for us. He finished God's work, now he's praying for us to finish his. He did the work. But the only way that work will be finished and accomplished in the hearts of men, women, and children is if we tell them how to go to heaven. So the next thing we see in verse, seven, in verse 20, he says, Neither pray I for these alone. Okay. So he's not just praying for the 12 preachers and one of them was a devil. He said, But I pray for them also which shall believe on me through their word. You folks that are saved and born again and out passing out tracks, you know why you're doing it? Because Jesus prayed for you. Amen. We have the Savior, the Messiah, that says there's going to be some folks sitting right here in this, in this church, in, in Curtis Corner Baptist Church, and they're going to be going out telling people about me. And, and God the Father, I want you to give them power. I want you to give them strength. I want you to give them direction. I want you to take them to the exact person that doesn't leave, live in Kingston, but lives down here as you've given them a check up there. All those things just amaze me, how the Lord allows those things to happen. So now Jesus says this. In verse 33, say ye not, say not ye that there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest. He's again giving the mission, or the, the disciples missions 101, if you will. I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look unto the fields, for they are white also unto harvest. Well, what do you think Jesus was looking at and pointing at at that particular point in time? A wheat field or a cornfield? Uh, well, I highly doubt it. Because if you back up with me just a little bit in verse 30... Uh, that lady in verse number 31 had, had left to go, or in verse 29, had just told a whole bunch of men in the town, come see a man which told me all things I ever did. Is this not the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Jesus is looking at those 12 disciples and say, there's the harvest right there, fellas. This lady is bringing them to me. I'm going to preach the gospel to them. We've got a job to do. The harvest is great. The harvest is the souls of men, and they're around the world. He says, look at the harvest. You know, when we see the faces of people across from us, wherever they are, whether they're the lady at McDonald's or, or the, the bank teller or, or the person that just cut you off, <laughs> amen, uh, we need to look at them at the har- as the harvest. And Jesus says, they're white on the harvest. They need me. Well, our actions and attitudes as Christians can determine whether that person will listen to the gospel the next time. I'm glad somebody didn't give Amir a real bad rap about Christianity throughout his time there. Evidently, everybody that must have talked to him at some point or another must have been kind. Amen? And I'm thankful for that because when the time came, 
that the Holy Ghost moved on my heart to give him a gospel tract. Amir listened, and he heard, and God pricked his heart, and he received. Amen? That's how this whole thing works. Now, I want you to see as we look down, as Jesus began, on, began to speak, and he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice. How, church? Does it say one's going to reap more because they did more? It said they're going to reap together. They're going to reap as partners. They've got one common goal in mind, that's to see souls get saved. Now, if every man will be found working with inside their gift, my book of Proverbs says that we'll stand before great men. Amen? So we take our gift, and that's my, my if, that, if I can say this, it's my gift to find other men's gift and to connect them where that gift is needed, whether it's, it's just calling a pastor and saying, I've got a young man that might be a good youth pastor, or, or whether it's just sending a box of tracts through the mail to a, to a missionary over in the Philippines that just needs some printed gospel literature, or whatever it is, big or small, sending containers or, or building buildings, whatever it may be, we want to enter in and become a partner with them so we can rejoice together. Now, Jesus goes on to say, and herein is that saying true. One soweth, another reapeth, and he says, I sent you to reap that whereupon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. That's our burden and our passion, is just to enter into these men's labors, to just help them. There's a lot of these countries, most of the countries that we're, we're talking about, I've already been in. I've been to those nations. I've actually met the majority of the men that we support. Not all of them, but the majority. But Dr. John Shelley, my partner here in America with Rock of Ages, has met them all. And I definitely hold him uh, very high and accountable. We have the men in Cambodia. The Lord allowed us to start a Christian school in Cambodia, a Buddhist country, in 2011. And, and my, how it's going great. And one of the, the, the converts that Pastor Lomer Hope Dela Cruz had in Cambodia, uh, he has started over 20 churches in that nation, been there about 23, 24 years. One of his converts took his first church and, and has been pastoring it for quite a few years now. And that man of God is training missionaries, going out. We're helping them build churches. We're helping them uh, accomplish their work by assisting them on a monthly basis financially as well as helping them with projects. Jesus said we're going to enter into their labors. And now look what verse 39 says. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified he told me all things that I ever did. Oh, we just got to give our testimony. You want to know how somebody, how to win somebody to Christ? Just tell them what he did for you. It's that simple. But I love the gospel track. I pass them out everywhere I go. I, I leave them everywhere I go. I, my favorite spot when I leave a hotel, I want the next person to get the gospel track. Of course, I'll leave one with a nice little tip for our sir or for the lady that cleans the room. I'll put them in the ice box. I'll put them in the microwave. I'll put them underneath cushions. Uh, I'll just put them everywhere. But I want the next person to get one. So I, when we're ready to leave, I go to the bathroom and I take the toilet paper roll and I pull it way out and I stick a gospel track in it and I wind it back up. Amen. <laughs> Now, one of these days when I get to heaven, some old boy's going to come up and say, Man, Van Horn, you'll never guess where I got saved. I'm going to say, Yeah, the bathroom at the Holiday Inn. Amen. <laughs> oh, man. I, I praise the Lord. And I had a preacher, old Leroy DeMacellis, a Rock of Ages missionary, 20-some years ago. He told that from the pulpit, and I just laughed like you did, and I started putting it. There's not been a roll that I missed, I don't think. Amen. <laughs> Whoo, Hallelujah. But I want you to see next, and I'll be done tonight. 
Now, in, in verse 43, now after two days he departed thence. He gave him two days of his life. Jesus only had 33 and a half years of a life. He only had a little over three years as in ministry. And he gave this group of people two days of his life. Now, that's a lot of time. Amen? Uh, we see that he took out one day just to sit at the well with this woman. It's just He was so zoned in on individuals. He knew, of course, everything. But he knew that this particular individual lady was going to be well worth his time. Because she was not only going to get saved, but she was going to be saved to serve. And she was going to tell folks about Christ. And she did that. And now after two days, he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus, Jesus himself testified that a prophet had no honor in his own city. But listen to what happens next. This next passage is so interesting. It's all in the same chapter. It's tied into a missions chapter, a soul winning chapter. Well, why this part? I asked the Lord that. He said, now this, so Jesus came again into Cana in verse 46 of Galilee, where he made the water into wine. <coughs> and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he had heard that Jesus was come out of Galilee, or Judea to Galilee, he went unto him and he besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, except ye see the signs and wonders, he will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And, he was, and as he was now going down, his servant met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then he inquired of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. Now look at this next verse. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believeth. And, and, and you see that next phrase, church? His whole house. Well, don't you know if you knew that Jesus prayed for your child and that child was healed at the same time Jesus prayed? Don't you know that Uncle Jimmy would say, What happened to little Joe? I thought he was going to die. Well, he was. But I met this man. His name is Jesus. He's the Messiah. And he prayed for him at the moment he prayed that he would be healed. His life came back to him. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was out of Judea and the Galilee. You know what the Lord showed me in that? How can a, this miracle be tied in with just a message that, that seems to be solely about missions, if you will? Soul winning and gathering people into here and and then Jesus teaching about the harvest and, and teaching about the work that's finished. And now really the work is commissioned to us to give the word. How should they hear without a preacher? But then I remembered that missions really produces miracles. What we do as soul winners, what we do as a local independent Baptist church really produces miracles. You want to talk about a miracle, take a drunk that's been drinking all their life or a drug addict and teach them that God needs them and God loves them and and use them and forgive them and help them and begin to share the scriptures with them and watch a drunk and a drug addict turn around drastically and become a sold out or a sold out servant for the Lord. Hey, now listen, that's a miracle. Our minds, we all human beings have addicted minds. If you don't think so, uh, check your screen time. How long have you been on your phone this week? 
Uh, check how long you do this or how long you do that. or, or what you, We're all addicted, amen? Abraham was addicted to faith, wasn't he? Noah was addicted to obedience. Praise Lord. Paul was addicted to soul winning, amen? I'm glad Jesus was addicted to us. <laughs> Stephanus was addicted to the ministry. So we all have addicted minds, but you want to watch miracles. Watch what Jesus does in their lives. But even better than that, every once in a while, he'll show you something really cool. We had just landed in... Uh, in Liberia, uh, I guess it's probably been about two years now. I, I've lost track with this 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 COVID thing, uh, and and we'd uh, been in the hotel. Now we had several different uh, meetings at the church, uh, and we had went down to a local restaurant there in Monrovia, the capital of Liberia. Well, here's kind of how I work. If I make eye contact with somebody, and they look at me in the eye, and I look at them in the eye, it's almost like the Holy Spirit says, "That's him. I need you to go talk to him." That's just the way it works in my life. I don't know how it works in yours. Uh, so he sat. He was sitting there eating all by himself, and we have the whole table full, and all of us fellas sitting there chatting around. And I kept my eye on him. I could tell he finished eating. The, the waitress came. He paid the bill, and he got up to leave. It was about that time I got up and said, excuse me, fellas, I'll be right back. Went over, gave him a gospel tract, said, young man, I said, have you ever thought about eternity? Uh, can I tell you something this? I was 40 two years old before anybody ever asked me that question here on this earth. 42. Now, I'm glad that my mom took me to church and I knew how to be saved and I was saved. 42 years old before anybody outside of the church, anybody out there come up to me and say, hey, sir, if you ever, if you died today, do you ever think about eternity? I wonder how many of you would say, well, I've had somebody approach me and ask me about my soul. You know what? Most of us in this room would say, no, that's never happened to me. Well, doesn't that make us wonder why our churches aren't doing it? We're the only ones that's going to ask that question because we're the only ones with the answer. Well, I shared that, that uh, question with him, and he wasn't sure where he'd go, so I took my, my King James iPhone and, and uh, I showed him uh, on my phone. I got a Bible on my phone, amen. Uh, I was witnessing to a guy at the hotel uh, um, breakfast lounge uh, just uh, not yesterday but the day before. Uh, no, maybe it was yesterday. It was yesterday. And I pulled out my phone, and I was going and giving him some assurance. He said, whoa, he says, this man's got a Bible on his phone, too. I said, amen. Uh, uh, but I led him to the Lord, amen, and, and I'm thankful that I was able to do that. I brought him over to the table, and I said, hey, fellas, this is Stephen. I want you to meet him. I said, Stephen, tell him what you just did. And he says, well, I just prayed to receive Christ as my Savior, amen. And, and he said, you know, it's no coincidence that I'm here. And I thought, well, yeah, you're right. I said, boy, God has a way of working things out. He says, no, he said, no. Uh, he said, my sister told me about you guys. And I said, your sister? And I'm looking around, and one of our guys says, well, what's your sister's name? And, and he called a name. I believe it was Mary. And, and he said, well, what's she look like? And he pulled out his phone, and he showed her a picture. And Ray Davis says, that was Mary. She sat beside me on the airplane, and I led her to the Lord. Amen. Now, here we are in Monrovia, the capital city, where there's who knows how many restaurants. We're in the same place, and I lead her brother to the Lord. Now, if that's not a miracle, I'm not real sure what the requirements for one is. <laughs> because real missions, he'll give us some of those miracles. And you know why he does it? Isn't that not fuel to go do it again, to go find somebody else, to just tell another sinner, to just get involved in something else? If that's, if that's not fuel for your fire, I don't know what it is, but it's fuel for mine. Because I sure do love telling people about him. And I'm amazed how, how different, many different times. I told a couple of kids at McDonald's. One was training. And I asked them that question. If you die today, where would you spend eternity? You thought they saw a ghost. 
They looked at me like this, both of them. They looked at each other. They looked back at me and said, Sir, we were just talking about that. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then God sent somebody by with the answer. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. I love the miracle stories. Why? Because the miracle maker wants us to just do our part, and that's just tell. You know, we're really soul warners more than we're soul winners. Jesus is the one that does the saving. If we have to have fruit, we'll be discouraged. Amen? Uh, there's not too many, and, and you correct me if, I, if, if I'm wrong, but I don't see too many personal people that actually were one to Christ. There was a whole lot of preaching, and there are some. There was a whole lot of preaching that went on. How many of those folks there in Galilee got saved? Doesn't say, does it? I bet a lot of them did, Brother Chapman. I bet a bunch of them did. Why? Because the word will not return void. Our job, how we finish Christ's work, is just tell them about the Lord. And thank God the rest is up to him. That's why he said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. You see, we're witnesses unto Jesus. And as we're just basically telling Jesus that story over and over again, guess what's happening? The Holy Ghost of God speaking to that sinner, and he's saying what he's telling you is true. I do love you. I did die for you. And then he leaves that person with a choice, a conscious decision that that person will make either to receive or deny. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to be in the Lord's army? Isn't it wonderful to be in a church at night tonight? Amen. I, I thank the Lord for it. I'm having the time of my life, and I praise the Lord. It's great to meet you folks tonight. Preacher, if you'll come, if there's someone in this room tonight or maybe someone listening by the Internet that's never been born again, salvation is simple. Jesus did all the work. When he died on that cross and when he rose again three days later, that was what we needed to go to heaven. That was it. And then he said that if thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Thank God it's not my righteousness, it's his I got the righteousness of Jesus Christ the moment I believed and received. And my Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. If you're not born again, make it happen tonight. Amen. Preacher, let's... Thank you. I want you to think about what the Lord wants you to take from this message or that account of the woman at the well, always so convicting. Jesus taught us how to do it. Need to get busy about it. And here's a man who's busy about seeing people saved. Would you like to have some of those stories? And you got to start talking to people. More people you talk to, more people you can witness to, the more people you witness to, the more people you can win. Let's ask God to work on our